Hello, Antioch Brighton. I'm Clark Zahnbreaker, and I get to be the director of ministry here at Antioch Brighton. And also, I get to be a part of the Sunday afternoon Watertown Life Group. I love my life group. We're having a blast. Um, I get to uh, teach this week. Uh, this is our third week of a series out of the book of Deuteronomy called Courageous Generosity. This is week three, and after this week we have one more message. Um, and so we're going to start with just a little bit of review. Um, if you've been with us the last two weeks or you've, you've listened or watched the, the video, um, you, you know or you've heard that Deuteronomy means second law. Okay, now it was important that the this new generation of Israelites; these are the the adult children of the adults who are their parents who were led out of slavery from Egypt. They were delivered, and it was really important that this new generation of Israelites knew the law, that they knew the covenant, they knew the 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 uh, arrangements around their relationship with God. It was important that they understood their history. Um, their ability to grasp these things would set them up for success in the new land that God was bringing them to, as well as um, enable them to fulfill the purpose that God had for them. And so God was about to establish them in a land that they could call home. Um, and this land was was incredibly resourced. And it was essential that once they had arrived to this new this new land, and once they had settled in to the abundance and all of God's provision, that they didn't become proud at that time and forget the Lord, their God, who rescued them from slavery in the land of Egypt. That's a verse right out of Deut Deuteronomy 8. Now, if they didn't remember that God was the source of their provision, not themselves, then, as we saw last week, things would go poorly for them. Um, they would end up forgetting God and distancing themselves from God. They would end up uh, uh, distancing themselves from his, his, his covenant that he'd made with him and committing um, atrocities and, and end up being uh, on the wrong side of God's love and his justice. And so throughout Israel's uh, history at that time, God had demonstrated his own courageous generosity towards them. He had delivered them from cruel, a cruel life of slavery, um, and he had done it solely out of his own mercy to deliver them. It was, was not because they were deserving or due to any merit of their own. Um, he led them out of slavery because of his own mercy. He protected them. He provided for them in the wilderness. And he had provo was providing a land to be their very own, a land that was full of resource. And it was God's desire that Israel's society would in turn be a reflection, would bear a reflection of his own courageous generosity. And therefore, God created for Israel a pretty intricate system of what we'll call uh, a system of courageous generosity. And that's what we're going to look at today. And so um, this system of courageous generosity that, that God provided for Israel, um, it, 
it involved three tithes, okay? A tithe, that just means 10%. So in addition to these tithes, God also, their system of courageous generosity also included some basic practices of courageous generosity. Now, obviously, there, there were a couple of very practical purposes for this system of courageous generosity that God gave Israel. Um, there were those in their community, the priests and the Levites, who gave themselves fully to the care and operation of the tabernacle. And they gave themselves to, to facilitating Israel's religious life. And while others were out you know, farming, caring for livestock, uh, making a, you know, a produce, these Levites and priests were making sacrifices. And, and they and their families required money and food. So the tithe, one of the tithes served a very practical purpose of, of meeting the needs of these uh, <clears throat> people who worked in the religious sector. So also, there were poor people who, due to circumstances, they were unable to make a living, and they were exceptionally vulnerable, and they required the care and provision of the community. It was a, a very practical uh, purpose that these, this system of, of courageous generosity had. However, there was another purpose that this system of courageous generosity served. It was an underlying purpose that was more of a spiritual nature than a practical one. So look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 15, 12 through 15. And as you're turning there, I'm going to explain a little something about it, how Israel society worked at that time um, uh, to, to give us some context to understand this passage. So in that day, they had hired workers just like we do today. So I'll hire you to do a certain job and we'll, I'll pay you the amount that we agree upon once you complete the job or once you work for the day, whatever, I give you your paycheck. Um, but in addition to hired workers, there was also these servants. Or sometimes the Bible calls them slaves. Now, it's a very different uh, type of slavery than what we think of when we hear the word slavery. And so in, in this case, it, it was... It was kind of a social welfare. Um, basically, it would be like me coming to to one of you and saying, "Hey, I'm I just declared bankruptcy. I'm in dire straits. I can't even provide for myself right now. Um, I will sell myself into your service. You pay me, and I will basically I'm going to live at your house. I am going to work for you. You don't have to pay me hourly wages. You just take care of me like you you would." you know, take care of your own property. You know, you feed me, you, uh, you, you, you take care of me, and I'm, I basically belong to you. I'm in that dire of a situation that that's, that's what I need right now. I need someone to assume responsibility of, of, of my, my life, basically. And so, now, uh, every seven years in Israel, in the Israel calendar, it was, every seventh year was called the sabbatical year. And there are a number of things that God instructed Israel to do. And one of those things was to release every servant or slave from the commitment they had made to their employer, um, or overseer. I'm not sure what they called that person. Um, in the past, this passage we're about to re read, it instructs the employer, um, the, the master, um, of the servant, how they are to treat this 
this person when he's released. And here's what it says, verse 12. If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant and serves you for six years, in the seventh year, you must set the servant free. When you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Now that sounds, that's great, right? Like that's, that is hugely, that's incredibly generous. A generous severance package. Um, it doesn't say anything about, you know, this, this, this severance package being contingent on whether it was a good servant or a bad servant. Um, this is courageous generosity in action, and it meets a practical need in the servant's life um, as they go out from this, uh, leave this, this agreement of being cared for. Uh, but there's something else that's going on, and we see it if we keep reading. Verse 15 says, remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I am giving you this command. This is this underlying thing that this other reason why God provided Israel with the system of courageous generosity. And it was so that they would remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and remember that the Lord your God redeemed you. Remember what God has done for you. So that's the important word, remember. In, in Deuteronomy 8, we, we saw that what Israel was not supposed to do in the land was forget. When they, when they settled into the provision of the, the, the incredibly resourced land, they were not to forget that it came from God. They were not to think, where did all this stuff come from? Oh, it must have come from my awesomeness. No, it was, it was so essential that they remembered. And so Moses is saying, remember that you were a slave. You were a vulnerable person with no rights. And remember how God treated you? Remember how God delivered you so generously? And remember, he's your God. He's your provider. He's your source. This is why I'm giving you this command to help you remember. Let's look at another passage. This is Deuteronomy 24, 19. And this is a, 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 a practice that God commanded Israel to do but when, when they were going about their agricultural duties. This is a practice, that a courageously generous practice that God commanded them that was part of this, what I call, system of courageous generosity that God had given Israel. God says, when you're harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, for the orphans, and the widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the, the, the bowels twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. When you gra- gather the grapes in your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Leave the remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Now here's, here's why. Verse 22, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That is why I'm giving you this command. So it's the same, it's the same underlying uh, thing here. Exercising courageous generosity was one of the ways Israel remembered 
in this resourced land, this place of provision. It was a way they safeguarded themselves from forgetting that God was their provider, from forgetting everything that God had done for them. Done for them. Um, it was a safeguard from worry, you know, from from greed, the things that could pull them away from God. So, not only do you know we we see this in the Old Testament, but it's we see we can see it in the New Testament. We see this um, this principle of courageous generosity being a, a safeguard. Uh, to one's relationship with God. They're, it's being uh, a safeguard. It's safeguarding their spirituality. We see it in Jesus' Jesus's interaction with the rich young man in the Gospels. Matthew 19 records uh, Jesus' interaction with the rich young man. And we see that the rich young man comes to Jesus and says, Hey, what must I do to have eternal life? And they have a conversation, and, and Jesus discerns that this young man's belief, understanding about who the source was in his life. Was it him? Was it others? Was it money? Or was it God? Jesus discerned that it was his understanding of who the source was was a little off, or a lot off. And that it was going to take an act of courageous generosity for this young man to get his heart free and where it needed to be in order to experience eternal life. And Jesus tells him in Matthew 19, 21, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So, obviously, the poor that that received from him were going to benefit practically from this act of courageous generosity. But the, the, the one who was really going to benefit was the rich young man. So he was going to, he would benefit spiritually from this act of courageous generosity even more than the, the poor would have benefited practically. From the, his act of courageous generosity. And so, let me ask, um, ask you this. So, God gave Israel a system of courageous generosity. Do you have a system of courageous generosity in your life? What regular practices have you established that serve as a way of reminding you that God is your provider, that God is your source. You aren't the source, but he is. So um, Natalie, my wife Natalie and I, we just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary this last week. And it's been a wonderful 15 years. And since, since we got married from the very beginning, we have been committed to figuring out courageous generosity in our lives. So... In no way have we arrived, okay? I want that to be clear. Uh, we would never put ourselves up as a model of courageous generosity. We, we haven't always done it well. Um, but it's something that we've been committed to for years. It's the target that we've, we're, we've consistently aimed at. 
Um, and undoubtedly, there are many who are, who are listening to this, this message who have probably done it better than we have. Now, I, I bring this up to qualify uh, this next statement. So, Natalie and I, we've, been com- we've committed ourselves to giving um, a, a bare minimum of a tithe, 10%, to the ministry and mission of whatever local church we've, we, we've been a part of since we've been married, which is really only two churches, <laughs> the one in Austin and this one in Brighton. Um, and we do it because we understand the practical need of the local church that exists in order to, to, to move forward and to, to do the mission, fulfill the mission and, and the ministry that God's called the church to do. So we've committed ourselves beyond the tithe to the church to support domestic and overseas um, kingdom workers because we understand their practical needs and, and, and we, we, we uh, like to give to those practical needs. We've given to the vulnerable and the needy because we see that and we're aware of the practical need. However, I'll tell you a secret that as I say it, it, it even feels a bit shameful. Um, but there is a much bigger reason, honestly, that we are committed to courageous generosity beyond just the practical needs that it meets. Um, I am much more aware of the spiritual need that I have to give. Okay? So, for one, similar to Israel, being committed to to a, a system, regular, courageous generosity. It safeguards my relationship with God. It is a constant offensive against the greed and the worry that we talked about last week um, that is at war with my soul, with each of our souls. Um, greed and worry does not take a day off in our society. It is, it is consistently waging war and trying to allure our hearts. Um, matter of fact, when, when Natalie and I, a number of to- times in our marriage, when we've kind of given in to that belief that we are the source and it's all up to us to make it happen and provide for ourselves instead of thinking it's God, and we've uh, incidentally struggled with worry about finances, it's, when, when that happens, it's a sign to us that it's time for us to do something courageously generous. It is time for us to give some money away. And often that's the only way that we're going to be able to break free from that, that worry, break free from that greed, break free from that, that incorrect mindset that we are the source. And also it's just kind of a nice way to give the enemy a black eye. It's like, okay, you're going to harass me with worry and here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something courageously generous. Um, so not only does it safeguard me from forgetting who the source is, but courageous, generous giving to things that are aligned with God's interests, ministry and mission of the local church, care of the vulnerable. Uh, when I do these things, I'm investing in the places where his heart is invested. And the result is a deeper intimacy with and connection to him. So 
If you haven't begun your adventure of courageous generosity yet, and you are a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to start today. So I, I disdain hype and empty promises, okay? That's not my, my deal. But I can almost 100% guarantee that if you have not begun your journey in courageous generosity, you are missing out in your walk with the Lord. So maybe you've started your journey and what you need to do is evaluate where you are in it. Are you where you want to be? Are you where you've set out to be? Are you, are you the last time you prayed or considered this, are you, are you still walking, walking in that? Have you walked according to the system of courageous generosity that you've already prayerfully established in your life? And here's why I, I so value having a system of courageous generosity. And that's because I am aware I am so prone to drift. And I, I grew up on an island, and I spent a lot of time at the beach. And I've had the experience a hundred times where I thought I was, you know, you know, generally just right in front of where I had set up all my stuff. And But I, what I didn't realize is that there's a strong current. And then I look, and it turns out I've drifted about a hundred yards uh, from where I had started. And it's like, whoa, I better keep an eye on where I am. So I I know that it's the same way with with finances, with courageous generosity, that that if I'm not regularly, if I don't have times where I'm regularly scanning the shoreline and saying, where am I? Where where did, you know, am I where I thought I was? Have I drifted? Um, Do I need to get back to where I was? This is one of those moments where we have the opportunity to scan the shoreline for our stuff, you know, where, where, uh, where's Jesus? Where, where did we, where do we, where did we think we were? Um, and, and in Israel's system of courageous generosity, the ministry and mission of the house of God was the primary place God's people invested. And this is still true for us as followers of Jesus. And so, in response to this message, I want to encourage you to do something this week. I want to invite you to scan the shoreline of your courageous generosity this last year. So don't wait until February or March, you know, tax, tax time next year. But go ahead and look at your, your, your giving records and get some clarity, prayerfully, get some clarity on how much you've invested in God's interests this last year financially. Namely, giving to the ministry and mission of the church and giving to those that are needy. Um, If you've given to Antioch Brighton before, you're going to receive an email this week with a copy of your giving record for this last year attached. And this is for your eyes only. This is not something that anyone else is looking at um, before it's being sent. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's, I think we have a system that, that, that a computer system is going to send it. Um, this, and this is to assist you in your process. And so when you receive that email, I want to encourage you to prayerfully scan the shoreline and begin praying and considering how God might be leading you to establish or maintain or adjust the system of courageous generosity that, that he wants to use to safeguard and strengthen your relationship with him.